0: G'day everyone, I'm Daniel Ricardo and you're listening to EFTM, Everything for the Man. Well, Trevor along with you, alongside Connor McNally, and Harry Tucker's taken a week off, and what a dickhead he is. <laughs> um, because, once again... He, he, um, he's, he's
1: let himself down, hasn't he?
0: Um, I mean, scheduling's everything, really. Absolutely. But, um, what a race. Oh, I... I am like... Our podium place getters, I'm speechless. uh, I'm in
1: the same position as you, right? I can't
0: even remember most of what happened. (laughs) But um, what we have is yet another first-time Formula 1 Grand Prix winner. Second one for this season. Um, Yes, for the second time this season that's happened. And uh, an absolute heartbreak, um, an absolute upset. And before we go on any further, I just have to say, if you haven't watched the race, I'm highly recommending you pause this and go and watch the race. Yeah, I agree. Um, because it's it's skippa- There's certainly skippable bits. Um, you know, there's probably, of the 87 laps, you could probably skip 50 of them, but just be cautious where you skip because some good stuff happens. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Unexpectedly, um, multiple times. And if you're doing anything, when you get to the last 30 laps, uh, 20 laps, do not skip a moment and pay very close attention to uh, every bit of what happens on the timing screen and the, and the commentary. Mm. That said, um, Sergio Perez has won the Sakhir Grand Prix in Bahrain, the Outer Circuit, and it's remarkable to think that that's his first Formula One victory.
1: In 10 years. And it's also the first Mexican since uh, Pedro Rodriguez in the 1970 Belgian Grand Prix to win a Grand Prix for Mexico. And so it's
0: Racing Point's first victory. Um, ever. And strangely, um, they've they've taken two places on the podium because Lance Stroll is in third and with Esteban Ocon in second. And I think without going chronologically here, what we can say is quite simple. Mercedes fucked that up. They fucked it up big time,
1: didn't they? They fucked it up like they did at the Italian Grand Prix. And we ended up with a very similar outcome where we had a first-time winner with Pierre Gasly. So, yeah, Mercedes... They seem to think that they've got it easy because they're the most dominant team in Formula 1 at the moment, but they just keep tripping themselves up and in the most... it just
0: proves how important the whole package is. Yeah. You know, um, what we had was an awesome qualifying where George Russell was uh, .026 off Valtteri Bottas. So Extreme, not even two tenths. Extremely tight. Two one-hundredths of a second, just under three one-hundredths of a second um, behind Valtteri Bottas. So he... George Russell this weekend showed his pace, his ability. He also showed the pace of the car. Now, that's a conversation we can have later is, you know, is the Mercedes too dominant and could anyone drive it that fast? We, we can debate that, but I think the answer to that is no. I think George Russell is an outstanding driver. Yes. Um, and he showed that early on because oh, he he came off the line beautifully, um, had a good start and got Valtteri in the first corner. Um, what happened just behind them was... A good ding dong between um, Sergio Perez, uh, Charles Leclerc, which saw Perez and Leclerc g- collide mm. to a point where Leclerc's front left wheel came off, like it was it was detached um, on the tethers only, yeah, um, because of hitting the side uh, and rear suspension of Sergio Perez's car, which, as is you know very clear, didn't affect him because he went on to win the race. Exactly right. And the thing is, Leclerc basically locked his front left. That, that was his
1: own fault. Yeah. Um, racing had, incident. Racing incident, yeah. And, I mean, they're going to investigate it after the race, so it will be interesting to see what, what comes out of that. But purely it was a racing incident. And for Max, wrong place, wrong time, tried to get around the outside, got himself caught into the gravel and basically understeered straight into the tyre wall yeah. and basically... Knocked
0: himself out of the race. Just- Max was wedged between Bottas and um, Perez, um, like literally between them, and had to back out, and mm-hmm. then caught himself, found himself caught behind Leclerc and Perez, who came together. And did he was not at all involved in that incident, except to avoid it by going to the left and around the outside of the turn, which left him, as you say, on the gravel, and the gravel gave him no ability to steer, and there was a, a, a rubber tyre wall, within a metre of the gravel, and he had no opportunity but to go straight into it. So yeah. that was the end of the race for both Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. Max, um, really unhappy with himself and, and with the overall situation. And I think somewhat blaming Charles Leclerc, whereas Charles in the interviews was very much, look, um, I, I was at fault, but it was you know pretty much just a racing incident. And yeah. I think if, if it's called anything else in the stewards, it'll be crazy. Um, but it did give us a really interesting uh, opening stanza because it, it left, obviously, the Mercedes out front because they're fast, but it left a whole bunch of other people competing for these both podium but also points positions, and mm. I think that was that was incentive from the get-go that this was going to be a fun race to watch. Absolutely. I mentioned last week in the podcast that I was expecting this
1: to be a very boring race because it was on the outer perimeter. Yeah, of the I said
0: it to my son last night. I said, mate, you're not getting up early, but you can watch the whole race before school. And I said, mate, it's probably going to be boring. So you might want to skip to the end. Um, but I've just sent him a Snapchat and said, mate, watch the whole thing. It's epic. Um, mm. And that, that, that surprised everyone. And I think it's deceptive too, because even Crofty, the, oh, I want to see us race more times at the outer circuit here. Martin was very smart in his reply in commentary. He said, look, it's, um it's produced some amazing action. Da, 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 da. But he also said, but as a result of the early incident, you know, so, What would it have been like if it was Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas and no crash on the first corner? Would it have been processional all the way through and would they have lapped 26 cars as Mercedes forecast?
1: Yeah, possibly. But at the same time, would we have predicted near the end of the race where we had... Jack Aitken crash out. Well, he didn't crash out. He hit the... He the,
0: was the, very lucky to yeah. not to not uh, tank slap it right into the wall like um like Albon f- did in FP2 last week. But yeah. he just ripped the front wing off, which caused a safety car. But going... Look, at the start there, you know, you've got George Russell getting the best start and performing at a point where he was basically a lap for lap. He and Valfrey were trading blows in terms mm. of fastest laps. But... He had enough to be two, two and a half seconds ahead and then three seconds ahead by the time they wanted to pit him, which, by the way, was after everyone else pitted because they were all competing for undercuts. Mercedes pitted George first, as is his right as the leader in the race or the leader of the two cars. Mm. Um, And Valtteri didn't come in for like three or four laps, which gave George the opportunity to be eight, eight and a half seconds ahead of Valtteri after the first stop of the Mercedes. And I think that just showed both great strategy from Mercedes, but also... Unbelievably good driving from George.
1: I'm absolutely impressed. We knew that George has been very good in qualifying. Yes, he hasn't made it to Q3 until last night. But the fact that he's been able to drive exceptionally well in an inferior car and then to jump into the most superior car in the field and be as quick, if not quicker than, say, Lewis Hamilton, that's a massive, like, audition for a drive drive in Formula 1, for a top-team Right there tonight, despite the outcome of what now, eventually Lewis happened.
0: Hamilton testing positive to COVID. We, you, Harry and I, instantly discussed who should replace him. And I think we, we unanimously agreed it should be George Russell. Yes. In, in in part, that was kind of, you know, one of those great speculative points. But it proved very quick that we were like, hang on a minute, this, this genuinely could happen. Why wouldn't he? Toto owns the bloke. Why, and they, they they run the engines on the Williams. Why wouldn't you just make a call and say, listen... We'll fund whatever you need to do. We're taking him. Exactly.
1: And, and it was, was smart. It was the smartest thing for Toto to do. I mean, they, they brought in the conversation that Stoffel could be coming in because he was doing Formula yeah. E testing in um, in Europe and then he had to make his way over to Bahrain to be on standby. And they thought, that'd be ridiculous to put Stoffel into Lewis's car when you've got the most obvious driver waiting in the wings to step into but that car. But also,
0: because there's no chance of Stoffel returning to Formula One. No way. Right? What you want is future vision. So what this has done, because George's practice, qualifying, and race pace was enough for Toto Wolff to go, well, he's in our 2022 team. Hmm. Valtteri will not be re-signed for 2022. I think we can just say that straight up. Frankly, I don't know why Valtteri shouldn't lose his contract for next year because if I'm Toto, I'm like, you know what? Let's just go with the young blood. Let's just get it happening. But, you know, cost of contract probably won't happen.
1: Of course, but, you know, Valtteri was very disappointing in that latter stage of the race. We, we'll talk more about why it, it eventually happened the way it did. But, uh, yeah, Valtteri's become more and more of a disappointment in this second half of the season.
0: Yeah, we had the first safety car was early because of the Max and Charles Leclerc thing. What the hell was the second safety car? Um, because there was there was two... Was it a ver- second one? was, there was a, a, virtual a virtual safety car.
1: car. Latifi retired, so there was a virtual yeah. safety car then. And, and then... And then Jack Aikenag is at his end. In
0: so. That, that, so there was a lot of action uh, happening in in the field. Um, you know, science was driving fast and driving well. There was a bit of action passing. There was a bit going on. You know, you had primarily in those early phases, you had Sergio slowly coming through the pack. Mm. Sergio was uh, started on softs and early pitted for mediums. Now the early pit for mediums meant that he had to stop again at some other point, which meant that it wasn't a fait complete. He'd get a, get a high. Um, Uh, a finishing position because, you know, others would need to pit as well. Basically, he had nothing to lose. No, that's right. And he did that whole, you know, just just consistency, drive, drive. But he also mentioned in the post-race interview, he flat-spotted his tyres in the first safety car um, and therefore he was actually suffering vibrations on that first medium set. And it wasn't until he had the the hards on at the end that he realised the car was fast. But, you know, you had him progressing through the field. Mm. Um, You only had Latifi um, stop and, and Verstappen and Leclerc in that first lap. And the rest was just some solid battles in that early pack, which became the, the mid pack, which became the lead pack, other than the Mercedes. But I guess you know the the real story of this race is, as we said, the irony of George Russell's Williams in with Jack Aiken behind the wheel, coming off on the final turn exactly the same way that um, Alex Albon did in FP two last week, but not in a, such a catastrophic result. He only he spun and his front wing was clipped off by the point of the barrier and it was he was he was able to turn it straight into the pits and pit for new wing new tires etc but the front wing was laying on the track and they they initially put out a virtual safety car but it was very evident from martin knows but i looked at the timing screen i noticed there was no gap in the field for mm. a marshall to get out safely and retrieve the debris
1: it just made no sense to me why you would deploy a virtual safety car first when if you could see the timer, that there was no chance in hell you were going to get yeah, that. Yeah, I think,
0: I, think I, I looked like when Martin mentioned it, I went, hang on, let's have a look. And I, there was some big areas on the track. Like when you look at the driver tracker, it looks like big gaps. But then you, it takes a moment to realize that it's a very short track. Mm. And those gaps are actually quite short in time. They're big in distance, short in time. I, I think it was the right thing to do to, to, to deploy virtual first, because for what it was, it would have seemed like an overreaction. Mm. I think we would be looking back now asking if it was an overreaction to deploy a full safety car mm. if we hadn't have first noticed it was a virtual safety car and, and then getting the opportunity to realise there was no gap. Yeah, I think I that's agree. what it gave. Yeah.
1: I, um, I, I think, look, I think they had to play it safe. Go with the virtual safety car first, and if it wasn't going to work out, then bring out the full safety car.
0: So and w- what we saw… As Daryl Eastlake in the 12th Man uh, commentary would say, and that's when all hell broke loose. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, take? I think that's Mike Gibson in, in the 12th man. Yeah. That's yes, when all yeah. hell broke loose. For some, no, no, not for some reason. You know, Mercedes had such a gap and a safety car. They thought, let's pit for mediums so that we've got softer tyres, fresher tyres under a safety car restart because everyone behind us has. Ten or fifteen lap old tyres, but they're still better than ours. Mm. So let's pit and make sure we've got the best tyres at the start of the safety car restart. So that's that's the thinking in the strategy team at Mercedes. And right? they were going to go from hards to mediums to Correct. go through to the end of the race. They're on lengthy aged medium uh, aged hards. Let's swap them for fresh mediums and have the soft tyres so that the safety car restart is a no brainer for us. Yes, they wanted no issues on the restart. So that's the strategy, that's the thinking of Mercedes because we didn't have the time at that moment to to wonder why because it all, hell broke loose immediately in the pit stop. So George Russell comes in and Valtteri's clearly paused behind him, double stopping. George swaps for mediums, out he goes, Valtteri in and within two and a half seconds, the guy on the front left, he puts, it's fascinating, he's the gun guy, right? Tire guy puts the tire on. Gun guy puts the gun on and then looks at the tire, staring at the tire, and he waves his hand. Yeah. Now, you're wondering, hang on, what's happened there? No, um, we're thinking the tire's not on right. And then they pull the tire off and they put hards back on, and Valtteri goes out. And it's then that you realise, hang on a minute, they had hards there as well. No, no, he's put his hard tyres back on. And it's re- and when he re- waved, they realised that they had put George's tyres... No, it wasn't even then. It, it, we didn't know at that point. what The, the, the gun guy realised that, but we didn't know yeah. what had happened. It looked like there was just well, a mix-up of tyres. Well,
1: I thought it was either a mix-up of tyres or there was
0: something wrong with the rattle gun. That's what I thought. I thought it was the rattle gun or the nut, you know, like a hash style error, right? Yeah. But it was... Halfway through George's outlap, the, the radio message came, George, we need a box. We've got a m- mismatched tyre set. Now, uh, you usually think, what does that mean? You've got one hard, one soft, you know, whatever. He had four mediums on. They were Valtteri's. Oh, So that guy on the gun had noticed essentially George's name, GR, on the tyres going onto Valtteri's car and gone, we've stuffed this up. So they've brought George in and swapped him onto a set of tyres, that were meant to go onto him because they were still there because they'd taken them off Valtteri's car. Yes, so they'd held Valtteri in the pits and gone right. This is wrong. Pull them off. Put Valtteri's old tyres back on. Valtteri's out in the in the in the safety car train in position, but on hard tyres, his old hard tyres. George comes back in and pits for his correct new medium set. They both go out. They're in. Um, 4th and 5th, I think. That's right. On the the safety car line.
1: Vitas was 4th, George
0: was 5th, yeah. George is being top mate. Don't worry. We've got this. You've got the tyre advantage over everyone. There's 20 laps to go. We can do this. That's essentially what they were saying to him in the years. And as Martin said in commentary, wise move from Bono. Talk him him through it. Let him know it's not all lost. And it's not. I've I've got to admit,
1: George's radio, despite the fact he was absolutely frustrated... So calm, yeah. so so mature in his thinking. You know, to, if it was Lewis, he'd be carrying on like a child. We we've seen we've heard that in the past. Yeah, but with George, very very calm in his I response. I was
0: disappointed with George not saying something like this: "Safety car is going too slow behind the safety car." Just, <laughs> just as a piss take on Lewis, that would have been fun. <laughs> that anyway, would have been
1: that would have been good, but it probably have not progressed. a time to bring that up for no. George,
0: given that he and George Russell ended up finishing ninth. Valtteri Bottas eighth. What you're wondering if you didn't watch the race and you just this is. How do these blokes go from being third and fourth behind a safety car to finishing eighth and ninth? Well, let me take you on a little adventure behind the <laughs> Mercedes pit wall. Um, Valtteri Bottas is on we don't know how old tyres. As Martin said, he's on a blind date with tyres because they put them on with it, 25 laps to go, Yeah, but that, that was... They showed as being three laps old. They were much older than that. We, yeah. oh, I'm pretty sure they went 46, 40, must 50 have. laps, right? They must have, yeah. So Valtteri's tyres are quite old. George very easily gets past him on fresh mediums. George very easily gets past Lance Stroll. Yes. George gets is very. at the point where he gets past Esteban Ocon, and he's now three seconds behind Sergio Perez, who's still leading the race. At one point, he got to 2.4 seconds. And he's making reasonable time. It was it was an amazing time. It was 2.2, maybe 0.3, maybe 0.1 seconds. It was He was chipping away. Yeah. Valtteri is going backwards because his tyres are old. They've lost grip. He they has no rear traction. They were knackered. <clears throat> but he's being told, mate, points, we'll take them. So he's going backwards. And then here's where I completely got confused. I heard a radio message that said, um, right rear, we think it's a slow slow puncture on the right rear. Oh, I picked it up straight away. I'm like, thinking that's Valtteri. And, oh, okay, so they brought Valtteri in and Mercedes comes into the pits and then I went, ah, oh, number 63, that's George Russell. You, George you Russell, lost your shit. Mate, if this was daytime, the neighbours <laughs> would be going, what the hell? Luckily we're in an office <laughs> complex where there's no neighbours at this time of the morning. Yeah, George Russell is forced to pit with a slow puncture having been Point, two and a half seconds away from taking the lead and retaking the lead of a race that he that he led every lap of, bar three that Valtteri led, uh, for his first points, let alone win, in Formula One. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and Paul podium, him you know, first of everything. And he's gutted. He goes out in, um, I think he comes back out in about 13th place, you know, with uh, 10 laps to go. I've
1: got, to, I've got to read this. This is from your mate, Clinton Maynard, of course, part of 2GB. He says, how good is F1? The driver who wins can't get a drive. The car that wins is a copy of the best car. The third place getter only has a job because his dad owns the team and the best driver of the day, George, proves that the so-called greatest driver of all time isn't.
0: It's a good call. <laughs> and it's a conversation we need to have about Lewis and, and George and contracts. Um, because post race that's it's going to be a big discussion. But George, to to his absolute credit, yes, despite frankly most of us mere mortals like you and I would have gone fuck this. I'm just pulling, just put it in the box. I don't care. Back garage. He, he I don't out. want to be involved and walk away. Right? Yeah. He he, he passed out. Sebastian Vettel, uh, Pierre Gasly, Lando Norris, and I think even um, uh, Giovanazzi, and he ended up behind Bottas. Um, by three seconds in ninth place, scoring two World Championship points, his first ever World Championship points. So despite the, and I'm pretty sure his driver of the day, we've paused the coverage, so I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure his driver of the day, he had 52% of the vote in the trailing laps. Um, Despite everything, I think, and this is—if I'm Bono, if I'm Toto, I'm like, mate, we stuffed up and we'll fix it. But let well, me just say to say this to you, George, you—you you just competed in in a car that was too big, too small for you. You wore boots that were a size too small. You had no. Um, Real attempt to, to get to know the car, but you had your first uh, appearance. You, you topped the time sheets in FP1, FP2. You had your first appearance in Q3. Um, you I Almost qualified on pole position. You almost qualified on pole position. You led more laps of the race than anyone else. You got your points for the first time. This got, was a massive win for you this weekend.
1: You got also the fastest lap of the race he as did. well. He did, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I See that and on the timer. I can confirm from Toto a colossal fuck-up in Toto's words. Radio failure in the garage, miscommunication as a result.
0: So. It's, and you know what? I, I, we didn't have cameras on Toto, but I'm tipping he smashed something. Oh, I'm sure he did. There's no doubt he grabbed something and threw it at a monitor. And, you know, because he, he would be very, very unhappy with that. Yeah. So right. we end up with uh, I'm going to read through the top 10 because it's a fascinating top 10. Um, yeah. Sergio Perez, Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, Carlos Sainz, Daniel Ricciardo in fifth, Esteban Albon in sixth, Danny Kiviat in seventh, Bottas eighth, Russell ninth, Lando Norris tenth, and Pierre Gasly missed out on points. Uh, in eleventh, and I missed out on some cracking sports same, bet results. Same, because same. George Russell, I had and a couple of bets on at four and four dollars fifty. Yep, would have got me ninety. And weirdly, I put this two dollars on a George Russell win and both uh red uh, both racing points on the podium. Which, frankly, when George Russell was about to pass Perez in the end. All, we need, all I needed was Stroll, and that was going to be $600. So you can tell why I was angry, Connor. Yes, I know. Um, but I still came well, came through with a first a first retirement and a first lap leader, so yeah, I'm, I'm well ahead anyway. But yeah, from a sportsbet.com.au perspective, I'm a bit annoyed with myself. Yeah. And George I'm, Russell I'm a and Toto a, uh, Wolf. Look, and a, Lance Stroll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit
1: disappointed because look, I broke even tonight, so you know I I basically only lost a couple of dollars after last week. But uh, yeah, George Russell coming into this, he was outright for for, to win the race four dollars before the race started. So yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. and he he went over the weekend. He went down to two dollars fifty odd. So look, yeah, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, Pietro um, Pietro Fittipaldi um, came seventeenth, but. No, notably, uh, good times, like not awful times behind Magnussen, like he was he was close in those trailing laps. Mm. Aiken ahead of Latifi because Latifi, Latifi did, did not finish, but he was behind him during the race, but still uh, 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 an admirable effort. Um, Kimi Räikkönen is struggling to really perform at this point. I've got to say, he has struggled a bit over the last few races. Yeah, he has. I feel like he's checked out of season 2020. Mm. Um, look, the big talking points right now, without any question, are Esteban Albon, um, Sergio a, Perez. It's, and it's about George Albon. Russell. You
1: mean Alex Albon?
0: Sorry, Alex Albon, um, Sergio Perez, yeah, and George Russell. Before
1: we do that, quickly go through the driver standings. So drivers, we know Hamilton's won it. Bottas, um, yeah, second in the championship. Verstappen will get no points. Third, Sergio Perez has now moved up into fourth position on 125 points by virtue of his win tonight. Daniel Ricciardo now drops to fifth on 112. Look, if Daniel finishes in the top five. At the end of next weekend's Grand Prix, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, look, top five result will be perfect, I think, after what has been an interesting season. Charles Leclerc, 98. uh, Carlos Sainz, 97. Alex Albon 93. Lando on 89. uh, Lance Stroll now on 74. I think
0: of all those, Lando would be the most disappointed given how well the season started. Remember how well the season started for McLaren and Lando? Yeah, I remember that. So how's the constructors? Because Racing Point would now have surely almost wrapped up third place.
1: They're only 10 points ahead of McLaren, so... Mercedes 537, Red Bull 282, Racing Point now 194 points. They got 40 points tonight yeah. ahead of McLaren on 184, Macla- uh, Renault on 172. So I'd, I'd say it's down. Yeah, right to be, off Renault, it's, right off it's Renault. basically
0: down to. Racing Point and McLaren. 10 points is a lot of points. Yes. That, it would be very hard for McLaren to make that up. It will take a, a, a solidly disappointing event for uh, Racing Point and a good result from McLaren for them to take that third spot. Absolutely.
1: Look, regardless of the result, it's been a good season for both Racing Point and McLaren. And look, for Renault, to some degree as well, it's been a very very good season compared to what they had yeah, last sure. year. Sure. But so, uh, but driver driver market for 20 este-
0: uh, Alex has finished 6th through sheer determination and attrition. Let's be clear. Um he was unable to surge forward past, you know, Renaults and McLarens that, you know, people say the car's made for Max. Yeah, the car's made for Max, but I'm sorry. You know, even Vettel's getting better results uh, now Now that he's got used to a car that allegedly has been designed around Charles. So, mm. I don't know. I think Alex Albon, honestly, it makes no sense for Red Bull. And I go back to what we said last week and I think the week before. Um, the reason it matters that, that they need a rear gunner is because... Even if Sergio is recruited on the very clear basis that he's a number two, and that Max is always the priority, right? Yeah, you need him to be behind Max to be rear gunner for to to hold people up to to be able to use him on a reverse strategy, to be able to alternate strategy them and, and things like that. You need two two cars within a couple of places of each other, not six places behind, so that you can do things like undercut and and force. So if you've got a, if you've got Max in 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 third, yeah, or fourth, and you've got Perez in the same car in 5th or 6th and Perez comes in to undercut the car that's ahead of him between him and Max it forces the car between him and Max to potentially react Yes. and that can help the driver in front these are the little things that Red Bull are missing out on by not having two drivers in a further point of the pack and it's as every person in the commentary has said it's ridiculous that Sergio Perez who is an, a, a strong performer a strong racer much loved in the paddock and has proven himself this season more than frankly any any season before. Yeah, it's ridiculous he's not in a drive next year. It is
1: the it is one of the best drives of the season for Sergio. It is probably one of the best seasons he's ever had. You know, he's been knocking on the door for quite a number of years now. But one of the telling signs from last night's Grand Prix qualifying was um, Christian Horner when he saw Albon not make it into Q three the the shake of the head
0: in disgust. Yep. Yeah. That's a telling sign. I mean, I think so too. Now, my theory, and I mentioned this to Connor earlier. My theory is, they're waiting until a week after Abu Dhabi, when the paddock has dispersed. Media take, you know, proper true F one media. That's when they'll take holidays because there's no F one to report on, right? They've been working real hard this season. You know, Sky isn't having you know three four days of continuous coverage of F one. That's when they'll make the announcement because. It's it's like politics dropping a thing, uh, an announcement on a Friday at five o'clock. You know, you do it so that you get the you're going to get coverage, but it's the least coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you want is the least scrutiny possible um, of the decision. You want the the least. You know, it, it'll be the nicest for Albon too because he won't have to face the media. Like if they announce it now, he's got he's got four press days of Abu Dhabi to deal with the media, where that'd be awful for him. So spare him that grief. Um, make the announcement after Abu Dhabi. And run with it that way. I think that's the smart thing for the team to do.
1: Would you be shocked if they decide to keep him on into twenty twenty one?
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would be not just shocked. I'd be, I'd be disappointed. I think it's a bad. I. I it's awful the In way it- we talk about drivers' careers like this. Mm. But Alex has proven himself as a race driver. He won't be without a race in life. He will go to a series, whether it's a tin top or an open wheeler series somewhere, he will race as a professional. Case in point, Kevin Magnus, he's off to race in NIMSA next year. Well, and, you know, it makes perfect sense, you know. You can make a living racing cars that aren't Formula One. It's sad that his Formula One career didn't go to the place where he wanted it to go, but it doesn't for everyone. Daniel's the same. Daniel hasn't won a world championship. He's made very good money, but he hasn't been able to push for the end. But he's still so competitive, he's a must-have on the grid. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the difference. Daniel Ricciardo, Sergio Perez, um, you know, Carlos Sainz, these guys, even Lando, have proven themselves to be so competitive they must be on the grid. Yes. Lance Stroll has proven himself more competitive than Alex Albon. Despite the fact
1: that he's got that tag that he's, you know, basically... Yeah, you know, living off the daddy, daddy's uh, boy. The back of his dad. Yeah, daddy's boy.
0: Yeah, but he has raced pretty well. Where you, where, we, where we're not actually questioning why he's in the racing point next year, other than realizing it's because he's daddy's boy. Why he got the pick over Sergio? When you've got Sebastian coming into the team, you've got two people to choose from. Of course, you're going to choose Lance because of dad. But, but not only because of dad, but because he can actually fill the seat and he can drive. I mean, let's face it,
1: he got pole position in Turkey.
0: Yeah, so no one's arguing that. Whereas Albon's done nothing of that ilk, right? So that's that's a clear cut win for, for Red Bull is to have Sergio for a year because it's clear that Sergio has a plan for 2022. Yes. Now I don't know where that is. That makes no sense to me that he keeps talking so confidently about his plan for 2022. Okay, because it's not Mercedes. Um, it's not McLaren. It's not Ferrari. I don't know why he'd care that it was Haas or you know, Alpha. Like where's he going in 2020? Where does he think he's going in 2022?
1: Who knows right now? We, we, we have no idea unless, uh, unless he's finding himself an opportunity to get himself back into what will become Aston Martin in 22. But I don't see that at all. Why would you go back to Aston Martin when they've basically pushed you well, out? One of the
0: things that happened during the race today, according to the commentary, was um, uh, Sergio said uh, when he was behind Stroll during one of the phases of the race, he said something along the line of, um, you know, you need to let us pass, da 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 these are great points for us. yes and there was no response on the radio. None at all. They didn't say a thing. So they ignored him and so if they if they if he was part of their 2022 plans that that they would have said something. I just feel like that's a bit weird. So yeah, that that's strange to me. So that's that's the Albon situation and the Perez situation in one. And then you got George Russell who lots of the reporting and conversation will be Is Lewis Hamilton actually the greatest because of what happened this weekend? Has it proven that, you know, it's just the car and it's luck? Valtteri's always out of luck and things like that. Um, You know, it's like, it's a hard one because I said to you, and I think this is probably where my head still sits is, I think Toto's the winner this weekend. Absolutely. So Toto can now sit down with, um, with, with Lewis and say, so you don't have a contract for next year. We want you in the car. No questions. But... You know, you need to decide right now. Is this one year or three years? You need to decide right now what's happening because I'm going to make a plan right now for 2021, 22, 23 because Toto needs to sign George for 2022, 23. He needs to let Valtteri know he's not going to be part of the team that far in the future. And frankly, I think he needs to look at his outclaws on Bottas and say, should we just go all POM in 2021? Imagine George and Lewis in 2021. I'm sorry. Wow.
1: Yeah, I can see it happening. I can honestly see. It. I, I, on the pace of what Valtteri has done in the remaining races of the season, he has been such a disappointment, and I just can't see Valtteri lasting in post no, 2021. If, if, even if, if, if at the end of this season, I mean, they're, they're, I'm, I'm pretty sure right now, um, Toto is going to be looking at an out clause right now going into 2021 to make sure that George gets into that car in 21 if Lewis decides to stay on. What's
0: He'll critical, think, though, is you can't ock on him. You can't put him on the sidelines and bring him back, George. No, absolutely not. Right? And George has to race next year. Now, yeah. if it has to be Williams, it has to be Williams. Yeah. But he needs to be race fit for 2022. That's what I think it, is it, it,
1: I, I know it puts Toto in a very, very strong position, but it also puts him in a pickle as well, because what do you do for George? Like... Y- yes, you need to keep him race fit in a Williams, but Williams is not a competitive car. You you know, it'd be, it would mess with his mind, George, that is, to be going to the back of the grid again when you've had a taste of the front. It just wouldn't sit well with him, I don't think. So, yeah, it's it's either the two evils. Try and find an out, Clause for Bottas, or force Lewis's hand and, you know, try and force him to decide his future in Formula 1 if he wants a one-year deal or a three-year deal.
0: Oh, I I mean you know we we're, we're, we're looking at this from the point of view of a young bloke who's like just outrageously good in the car and mm. and well Valtteri's a lovely bloke you know there's just something there's a personality lacking on I, i'm I'm a big fan of the personalities on the grid coming to the fore absolutely which is why frankly I don't care if Toto doesn't sign Lewis like imagine that scenario where Toto says Lewis you're wanting too much money and you're only wanting a one-year deal when we want three sorry mate We're done. Imagine, how cool would that be? That would be fantastic. Massively controversial.
1: It would be controversial to the max, but let's face it, I think why would you need Lewis now? You've got the next Formula One World Champion right in front of you, ready to take Lewis's place. So force Lewis's hand. That's what I think.
0: Yeah. I at the very least it gives Toto the hand in negotiation. Um, and that's that's a big thing for Toto, and I think that's that's a fascinating thing for it to play out. So, mm. yeah, really fascinating stuff. Um, well, we talked about last week
1: as well that you know Lewis probably would not want to look f- past twenty twenty two, you know, because if he wants to win that eighth world title, he's got to make up his mind pretty soon, you know, if he wants to be in that car in twenty twenty one. So. You know, I don't think he would want to stay on into twenty twenty two with the new regulations. So here is
0: what's exciting about next week in Abu Dhabi. Yes, right. Lewis won't be there. He will I can not tell you be that there. Right He's got. He's going to get four negative tests before he's allowed into Abu Dhabi. Into Abu Dhabi. It is the most strictest of places in the world. So COVID he's in Bahrain in a hotel right now, self quarantining. He's got mild symptoms. He's got to get four negative tests. So let's say he gets one um, tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He, he's a chance if he gets tomorrow, and then three days following. But if he doesn't return a negative test by Tuesday, he's out. He's out because he's got to get four negative tests. Oh, I just don't believe that he will race. I can't and, see it at And all. what's exciting about that is what we can't take out of this weekend, and anyone that tells you they can is full of shit, is that George is as good as Lewis. But next weekend, we're going to a track where we have lap times. We have history. We have results. So George can set times that are faster than, than Lewis, but but by what margin? And we can see what, what margin Valtteri is better than himself. This is what I'd be doing if I'm Sky. I'm getting all the data from every session last year, every sector, every best sector time. And I'm saying, how much advance did the 2020 car have for Valtteri? So it's, let's say it's 0.3 of a second faster than last year. Mm-hmm. And then where is George compared to Lewis? That's that's what I'm doing.
1: George has a good history at at Abu Dhabi as well in the previous
0: lower formula. So well, I think and that's a great thing he knows the track. Yeah. Whereas this one you got to learn everything. So I think it's fascinating.
1: It'll be interesting also next year with uh, with Mick Schumacher, he comes into Formula 1 driving for Haas next yep. year. So um and I think he'll he'll definitely be the faster of the two in the new lineup for 2021. So. Yeah. And but, I
0: think I think we can now kind of clearly see Schumacher there and then 2023 um Schumacher into Ferrari uh, and yeah. it's it's you know Carlos two years with Ferrari is, is a beautiful end to your career. I mean Carlos probably isn't thinking about the end of his career yet, but if he's smart, he's he's cashing in on the end of his career as a seat warmer for Mick Schumacher. Absolutely, and that w- that would be the conversation Matteo should have had with him. An honest conversation like that is what matters, I think. Charles is our number one. Carlos, we all here to to be his absolute rear gunner and win races when you can and to keep that seat warm because when Mick's ready he's in two years three is whatever it is and Carlos is like sure but you know rather than paying me two million I want ten million because that's this is the end of my career you know I want to leave on a high Ferrari it's brilliant he's as Carlos has had the best negotiations of this year and by the way just finally how good is Drive Survive Season Three going to be oh because can't wait you take you take all of the best stuff that we've witnessed this year and there has been some great stuff there's been some shit let's be let's remember there's been some shit through this year some boring yeah, processional races. Hungary is one of them. Drive to Survive is about taking all of those highlights and making them exciting and the behind the scenes. So you've got all those contract negotiations. You've got this weekend with just George Russell is an episode. You've got last weekend with Roman is an episode. And by the way, we haven't really talked about it. Roman is not right directing at Abu Dhabi. He, he admitted that today um, in, in to the paddock. Um, He's Interview with Martin Brundle you need to watch and they're apparently going to put the full version up somewhere. I hope they put it accessible to the world. Um, and I'll sell it to you this way, as, as gruesome as that is. Roman sits with Martin and describes to him in detail every part of his thoughts after the crash. So he talks about how he, he can see his gloves go from red to black. He can feel it. He talks about how... He, at one point, he, had, he just goes into a moment of peace and relaxes and he, he names the moment, like he gives it a name, this kind of near-death moment. Um, he then talks about how that moment then gave him the drive to get out of the car and he found a way to wriggle out and how we talked about his shoe not being on last week. Well, his shoe was stuck under the pedal. He he ripped his foot out from the car so strongly that his pedal, his shoe was stuck under the pedal. You know, it's, it's remarkable. And Martin Brundle said on the grid, he said, he talked through that. It took him five minutes to talk through a 28 second process. <coughs> Excuse me. Martin said, I've seen the cameras on the car kept rolling. Martin said, I've seen the camera facing Roman. So there was a camera still rolling in the car facing Roman. He said, everything he said matched the vision. It, it, it's remarkable how wow. clear of memory Romain Grosjean is about that incident. And it's fascinating because he talks about assuming he was going to die and then he talks about having that moment of peace and then thinking about his kids and then the, the two times he tried to get out and then relaxing and then the third time he did get out. It's Mate, it is phenomenal. The
1: amazing thing was he said, I wasn't afraid of death. He he accepted the fact right there and then that yeah. his time was up. Yeah. And he believed that if your time's up, your time's up. Yeah, But he was just a lucky man. And, and
0: they, they did a walkthrough with both the medical team and Michael Massey and... Without saying it clearly, they, they talked about how the halo is what stopped the Armco ripping straight into Roman's head, so it was crazy. And not just that, it was also the, um, the side the, restraints. Uh, yeah, and it was the headrest that pretty much stopped him getting out. So that's going to be your next evolution of safety, is that stopped him getting out because the car was on an angle, and with an Armco, how did it stop him getting out? Because he couldn't get his shoulder out, so... It's going to be fascinating to see how they build that. Like, is there a <coughs> a button that allows that, like an airbag, you know? The thing is, you think about that headrest. They've got to pull two pins and then take it out over themselves, right? So what you need is some form of, like, that should be an inflated device so that if there's an impact, 10 seconds after the impact, it deflates so it goes out of the way or something. A the,
1: reverse airbag. Well, that that, that 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 device was implemented in 1995,
0: 96 yeah, after
1: centre. Yeah, after end and centre, yeah. which has been great, but... We've now seen its flaws as a result and, of what's
0: happening. It's, it's fascinating to see the medical team talk about how they've, you know, they've noticed little things. And every it has to be areas of improvement all the time. It's beautiful. That's what Formula One's all about: is continuous improvement. So, look, it was a great race. I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, it could have been boring. It wasn't. Um, congrats to Sergio Perez. A great race. Um, I'm really disappointed for George Russell, but I'm glad he got his first points ever. I'm glad he had his best weekend in Formula One ever. He, he's just proven his point.
1: He didn't need anything else. Even if he didn't win, yeah. he's just proven that he yeah. needs to be in that car either next year or the year after.
0: Absolutely. All right, that is the secure Grand Prix here on the FGM podcast. Harry Tucker will be back next week if we let him in the studio <laughs> uh, with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh, on the night of the 13th of December yep. into the 14th. So
1: 14th, 14th uh, Monday morning, I'm having midnight. my
0: birthday, hopefully watching George Russell win. That's what I'm doing. That would
1: be a nice birthday present It would be you. very
0: good. Uh, George Russell win, uh, Daniel on the podium, would be a multi, just if sports better listening, a uh, multi at about 25. I'd put. I'd, I'd have 10 on that. <laughs> <laughs> be nice. be a nice multi to have. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back with a final uh, race next week here on the EFTM Formula One podcast, which is there. <laughs>